Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. I'm speaking to you. Oh, I'm talking about money. Um, I'm talking about the revenue of attention and trust. Now, there are three revenues. Um, there are three revenue streams. Um, the first revenue stream is cash. And, and cash is something that we all value and appreciate because it's the only reason we get up and go to work in the morning. Um, me, particularly. And uh, <laughs> I'm full time for the church. <laughs> You don't go to church to earn money. And uh, so we, um, but most people, they, they go to work because they, they have to pay bills. And they only go to work because they have to pay bills. And if they didn't have to pay bills, most people wouldn't go to work. They would do something far more exciting and, and feeling of kind of just a sense of personal achievement. But, but Cash is, is, is the critical point of life. And the more that you value that, the more careful you are with it, the more planning you put into place uh, around your life, and you try and make those sort of careful decisions. The less you value the cash in your pocket or the cash that's around you, the more trouble you find yourself in financially. And we've um, probably, all of us, have made mistakes financially. We've bought things we shouldn't have bought. We've put stuff on credit cards. We've gone overdrawn in the bank. Uh, we've borrowed money we couldn't afford to pay back. And, and if you haven't done that yet, uh, I encourage you not to, but I bet you will. And uh, <laughs> Because that's just the, the nature of a living life. And and um, so cash is a really important, it's the revenue stream in, in, on which the whole world seems to operate. But there are other revenue streams, and they're not financial, that, but they are the revenue which we need to understand. If we place the same amount of care on, on these other revenue streams as we do cash, then we'll understand the value of what's really going on. And if we, if we don't value these revenue streams, then we'll get into the same kind of trouble as we do when we don't ca- take care of our money. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so the, 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 there's one revenue stream that I'm not going to spend much time talking about, but the, fir- the second revenue stream, other than cash, is the revenue of referral. And referral is, <laughs> so referral is simply your reputation. We say that life isn't what you know, it's who you know. The reality isn't, it's not who you know, it's what they know about you. And your reputation is the critical aspect of what opens doors. It's, it's what people say about you behind your back. <laughs> A lot of people, these, I think these days, we've got, we've, everyone lives in this paranoid Sort of like people are talking about me. Uh, and uh, yeah, because you're human and everybody talks about everybody. Uh, it doesn't mean to say it's bad. <laughs> Just because someone's having a conversation and you're not there, it may be they value you. Uh, and uh, it may be that they note something odd about you. I'm quite sure people talk about me all the time. And, uh, <laughs> but... You see, that's the, that's the reality of life. And how do we know that? Because everybody talks about someone when they're not there, right? So and because we all have had those conversations, the conversation, the revenue of referral is your 
credibility, your reputation when you're not around. And your reputation when you're not around is what gives you favour. It's what opens doors. It's, it's, the, it's the, the, the value of that revenue is what makes your life work for you. Um, it's, it's like oil um, in, in a sort of a, a gearbox. It's the thing that makes things work is your reputation. And, and a lot of people don't understand or value reputation and, and social media has done its best to destroy most people's. But the <laughs> an understanding, sometimes I look back at my social media posts, sort of early Facebook days, 2007, 2008. I'm looking at these early Facebook posts, looking at them go oh my goodness, why did I write that? I clearly didn't get, I just didn't get social media. I, I was just writing stupid stuff and, and just putting, and, and writing stuff that doesn't even make sense to people who don't, and never occurred to me that just because I'm writing it, that doesn't mean to say they know what I'm talking about. And, and uh, so, but amazing how important your reputation is. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a revenue of your life. And the next one, the one I want to concentrate on Today is the revenue of attention and trust. And and I'm going to read to you a Bible verse in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, um, the Bible is separated into into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Old Testament is the story uh, that's building up towards Jesus Christ. And it focuses on all of the promises and and the word of God towards Jesus. It's looking continuously through. And there's all sorts of things. There's, there's songs and there's prophetic words. And then there's the people's lives, how they lived their life and, and how they devoted their life in faith toward God. Now, this is one of the story about a guy called David. King David was one of the great heroes of the Old Testament and one of the heroes of, of the, probably one of the greatest heroes, probably top three heroes of the, of the uh, Bible. And um, in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1, this is the introduction of David. David, uh, for those of you who might remember the story from, um, uh, from school days or, or, or maybe you went to Sunday school or something, uh, David and Goliath, and David has killed Goliath. Um, and um, this is kind of post that event. And 1 Samuel 18, 1 to 5. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armour, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely and set and Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants now this is one of the things that we've got to understand is that David has already gone through the process of referral right so the story of David is that David was the bastard son of a very wealthy man right so he's, he's, he's got brothers who are not bastards, sorry for the language, and uh, it's good. you don't get many opportunities we can use that on stage, so here's my moment, and uh, using it for full effect, uh, 
And uh, so, and David uh, is the is the son of uh, of a concubine or something of that nature, a woman who who wasn't uh, married to his his father. And so, David is despised by his brothers. He's the youngest, uh, and he's basically shut out and and put into the field and has to look after the sheep. At the same time, he's a talented musician and he learns to play the harp and, and he writes songs. And many of the book of, uh, the book of Psalms is written by, by David. And, and, but so David pursues, instead of getting embittered or angry or suffering rejection and all the sort of things that we would struggle with in that kind of environment, David just turns his heart toward God and he worships God and he thanks God. And along comes a prophet called Samuel prior to Goliath, prior to all of these. And Samuel looks at him and says, this man is going to be the king of Israel. And his brothers are fuming. The the father is like, surely not. I've got all these wonderful, handsome sons, not the bastard son. (laughs) And uh, so he, (laughs) surely he, he can't be the king of Israel. And, and what happens is that the king, um, Saul, um, is has been rejected by God because of his own rebellion, because of his own sort of anguish. And, and, and Saul, uh, who is the current king, is in need of a musician, someone to just calm his spirit down. You know how music just really just ministers to you, doesn't it? It's just like music. Is that music is incredible. We, we worship because worshiping God with music. But I find that music is very powerful, very emotional. It doesn't matter what style of music. Saturday afternoons, I like jazz. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really like an old man, doesn't it? <laughs> jazz on a Saturday afternoon when I'm cooking dinner, sort of about four o'clock Saturday afternoon. I've got the dinner on and I'm just cooking away. No one else is in the kitchen because they don't like jazz. And, uh, and I've got jazz on and I'm just cutting the carrots and it's playing away. And, uh, but, and it's like it, li- it lifts you a bit. Sometimes it drives me nuts because it's just like, what is that horrible noise? But, but most of the time it's really cool. And, and sometimes a bit of classical music, um, uh, and and sometimes it's it's just straight up. It's just maybe sort of Radio One or North Sound or something like that. But but music has this impact, right? Doesn't it? It it it, it drives your spirit. It stirs your soul. It it causes people will can sit in a concert and tears will be running down their face because music moved them somewhere. Somehow their heart was moved because of it. And Saul and Saul is so tormented on the inside of his heart, that David is referred... See, see, David's got a prophecy, you're going to be king. Now, at that prophecy, David doesn't try and be king. He keeps doing what he's good at, which is worship. See, see what we have to be doing, if you, you've got a dream, you've got to fulfill the dream in your heart by keep serving in the gifting that's in your life. You see, if you try and open doors for yourself, you find that things shut very quickly. Yeah. Nothing more annoying is there than a person who, who's walking around trying to make out there's somebody when they're not. Yeah. Isn't it? Now that's probably the most annoying person in the room, isn't it? We've all met those people um, and you want to just kick them up, <laughs> trip them up. There's something about people who are trying to be something they're not. But David didn't fall into that. I mean, he's got a, Samuel was the most important man in Israel at the time. 
When Samuel turned up to a village, to um, when Samuel turned up to a village, it generally meant someone was in trouble. There's a word from God: "Can fire? They're going to be die. <laughs> they get, something was going to happen." You know, Samuel's the most. He's he's a fearsome. He's the the leader of the the spiritual leader of the nation of Israel, and and he was the one who who laid hands on Saul and made him king. And now Samuel has turned up to David's village and laid hands on David and anointed him as king, as a, as a boy. Uh, he's about 14, 15 years of age. What would that do to a 15-year-old boy? You're going to be king. Oh, I just knew I was. I, I just knew. They don't, they don't know, but I am going to be king. Yes. What would it do to the inside of a person? But David, instead of trying to be king, he's just being what he is gifted at being. If you want to just turn your heart towards the things of God, you turn your heart towards the things of God and doors will open for you. See, David entered into the king's presence, not because he was trying to be king, but because he was really good at music. His reputation, the, the... the value and the revenue of referral led him into the presence of the king. And he was there not to be king. I mean, you can imagine in his prophecy, I'm going to be king, but now I'm in the presence of the king. He didn't try and usurp the king that he was in the presence of. He just served the king. And he worshipped. And, he, and, and then at a later point, he comes and he deals with Goliath. And here we have David and Jonathan. And Jonathan is Saul's son and heir to the throne. So the rightful heir to the kingdom of Israel is Jonathan, not David. Jonathan is the prince. And David is the young shepherd boy who's really good with a harp. And, and a sling and stones as it happens. <laughs> as a side trick for a party evening. It's like, <laughs> get someone you don't like, let me show you what I can do with this. And, and David, David's the boy who's been rejected by everyone around him. But Jonathan loves him. And he does something for him that is extraordinary. He, he gives him attention. He, he focuses, he turns his heart toward David. And attention, the revenue of attention and, and trust on a purely secular level it works like this. You want to watch the news on television it's ITV. We, we can't use BBC as an example because it's a paid-for service, right? You have to pay to watch it. So um, ITV is, technically, you don't have to pay for it, but you probably are because you're buying the products they advertise. But <laughs> you watch ITV and you give them attention and you trust what they say. And so they gain access. There's a, there's a, a kind of, a, there's a, kind of relationship isn't there between the television company and ourselves because we trust them we give them attention and we trust them and they give us information and there's this interplay of relationship and so Jonathan turns his attention towards David 
And there's this interplay of relationship between the two of them. There's a, there's a friendship, there's a bond, there's a covenant. And there's a, there's a, there's a loving relationship that, that kind of best friends scenario where they, they agree that they will live their lives supporting each other, trusting each other, but something begins to take place. And in that, David is given Jonathan's cloak and he's given his shield and he's given his sword. Here's the interesting thing about this relationship. See, see, when David was given these things, it was that act that led David ultimately to be king. So Jonathan gave him what was his and gave it to David. See, see, here's the thing about friendship. The kingdom of God, the church operates by this. We only get somewhere by what has been given to us. Not we claim for ourselves. David had a gift of worship. And his worship was given to the king. He clothed the king with his worship. And the king was soothed by it. See, the gift that's on your life is to give to others. It's not for your own glory. It's not about you. It's about your friends. And what happens here is that Jonathan, he's the prince. He's the one with the weapons. He's the one with the royalty. And he clothes his friend and changes David's life for the next 40 years. And so I need you to understand that this attention to detail, this attention to Giving of yourself changes everything. See, there are two types of friendship. There's the contribution friendship. When, when you have good friends, you, you, you give to one another. And, you, and then you've got the type of friendship that's just a consumer friendship. And a consumer, we've had friends who are consumers. And cons, friends who are consumers are ones who you put a lot into, but you don't get anything back from yeah. And as a church, we do that a lot for a lot of people because you never know who might understand what it's for. And some people do and some people don't. Some people just don't get it. And when they don't get it, it's really exhausting. When you give, but you don't get anything back. But the kingdom of God is about a friendship of giving that empowers other people's lives. It changes them. When I was, um, many years ago, um, back in about 1998, I was in the Ukraine. And the KGB was still in operation. We had to uh, be careful because they would listen to your telephone conversations. And they didn't like Christians. They didn't like the church particularly. And, um, but the church was growing rapidly. And, and I was there. But on the way to Heathrow, it was the middle of winter, but in Heathrow, I wasn't going to get a big, thick coat. I put my coat down and forgot it, left it behind. I, I land into, into Ukraine, into Kiev. It's, 
It's about 15, minus 15 uh, in the day, and I've got no coat. <laughs> and so Gennady, who was, the, who was an ex-Russian colonel uh, from the Russian army, now passes a church, uh, and had overseen huge political shifts. He'd served in East Germany, uh, had actually made, been in the war office planning to invade Australia in the 1950s. Uh, this, this is a fascinating guy. And he's now an old man and he, he's there uh, and he's, he's the kind of father of the church. And he gave me his coat while I was there. And his coat was just so warm. I'm thinking to myself, I've got to keep this coat. <laughs> it, was like a, it was a proper Ukrainian coat. There's no way the winter was getting past the fur. And, and he gave me, so all the time I was in the Ukraine, I had his coat. And while I, was, I had his coat, I was able to serve the church. But it was his coat. See, see what happens that Cheryl and I have discovered this. Our joy of ministry is when people come, we give them what we have. We give them the liberty that's in the house. We give them joy, purpose, hope, opportunity. The, the joy of service. And it's a coat that not everyone kind of, it's, it, it's ours and we give it to them. But this is what happens. When you have something long enough, it becomes yours. Mm-hmm. As a kid growing up, my, um, I'm the youngest of six and, and we used to have clothes that would get passed down. And some of the clothes just went male, female, male, female. <laughs> the youngest one male, it's like. And uh, my sister had a parka coat that had a big um, kind of uh, diagonal sort of thing at the back, um, was in, known as a mod coat. But we didn't know it was a mod coat. It was just a parka coat. My sister had it as a parka coat with a big, long, long sort of tail down at the back here. Um, and how many of you re- remember mods? Mods and rockers. Yeah. They used to fight. <laughs> Paul remembers. Paul, where's Paul? He's, he's around somewhere. Is he downstairs? Paul was a, was a mod uh, used to fight rockers down in Brighton. <laughs> and he used to they'd drive on Vespers. Rockers had motorbikes and mods had Vespers <laughs> with mirrors. And, uh, and he, was a, he, was a, <laughs> he was a mod. And, uh, and so, but when I was a kid in school, in the late 70s, I got passed down this coat and it was given to me because I was the next one in line. But it was much too big for me. And I just put this coat on and it was much too big. It was my sister's coat. But I'm wearing it, right? Eventually, I grew into it. It became my coat. See, here's the thing. See, this is what friendship does. Friendship gives what you have and places it on the shoulders of someone else. And that liberates and sets them free. And eventually, it becomes theirs. See, uh, what happened, actually, is that this mod coat... I happened to inherit the mod coat. The moment, I had never heard of mods, the moment I walk into school and it was like mods had suddenly made a comeback. I don't know how, right? Because it's, it's like, I mean, rockers are cool and I never quite understood mods, right? But they, and, um, don't tell Paul. And uh, so I walk in and everyone goes, Upton's a mod. And I'm like, what's a mod? Yay, I'm a mod. <laughs> 
And I'm just rocking around. I'm just like, yeah, I'm a mod like this. And I've got the coat. Nobody else has got the coat. And uh, so I wrote mod on the wall and, and uh, <laughs> just make my mark. And, but the coat became my coat. Eventually, it wasn't, where's my sister? It's my coat. Here's the thing about friendship. See, Jonathan and Jonathan and David, David became king because of a coat that was placed on him by a friend. Here's a scripture in Isaiah 61. It says this. Isaiah 61 verse 10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud and the garden causes things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. This is an incredibly complex and a very deep scripture. But basically what it's saying is that God looks at us and clothes us with the robes of righteousness. Now here's the amazing deal. Everybody knows that there's nobody righteous. The standard of God type righteous. There's good people and there's people who do bad things. But when you're talking perfection and people, and if you talk perfection is the standard, no one's righteous, right? Everyone's like the rest of us. We're just all the same, aren't we? Everyone's doing their best to kind of work it out, but we've all got our things going on. We've all dealt with stuff, get angry, all that kind of stuff. But the Bible says, God says, I clothe you in something else. I've clothed you with righteousness. My righteousness, I'm making you righteous. Why are we righteous? Because God clothes us. It's not, it's his cloak that's placed on us. And then it says this, it gives this beautiful metaphor. As the earth brings forth its bud. So he's painting this story as the garden exploding with life in spring. So the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. And what that means is that as we allow God to clothe us with his goodness. Out of our lives comes goodness around us. One of the things that amazes me the most is. Is seeing people's lives healed, restored, marriages that are breaking up, healed together. Yeah. Families where there's father against son, restored back together. People's hearts are confident, someone broken, no confidence, can't speak out. Able to rise in the identity of who they are. Yeah. Able to stand up. How did that happen out of our lives? Are we righteous? No. We're just people. Everybody's like everybody else. But God clothed us as we worshipped him. And in that clothing of us, we just went, well, we were given this coat. It's it's a really nice coat. It it comes over you and it takes a while to get used to wearing it. You don't kind of feel like it's, uh, this is Armani, by the way. (laughs) It looks rubbish. Right, but when, but when it's Armani, you don't have to put a lining in it because it's Armani, <laughs> and and uh, it's probably the 
the, the grubbiest sort of stretched T-shirt type failed looking jacket I've got, but it's Armani, so I'm going to wear it. I'm going to be wearing this for 50 years, I can tell you. And this, uh, and, you take, and God takes us and he robes us. And James, I'm sorry, you're sitting there. And, you're, and what he does is he, he, he goes, this is, this, is the, uh, this is the robe of righteousness. Oh, look, look, there's Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, look, you see, see, that which clothes God, he clothes us. And so the love of God that is on God is now on us. And when it's on us, we're able to take that which is on us and, and put it on somebody else. And you discover that people's lives are healed and restored. And it's not, it's not about anybody else. It's, James isn't special. I mean, James is a good friend, right? <laughs> but he's not special. <laughs> <laughs> We're just people, right? We're just people. Everyone's just people. But there is a gift which sets on our life. And the gift that has been given to us, if we give it to somebody else, you'll change their life for the next 40 years. Change their life for the next season. That's what friendship is all about, amen. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. If we can just clothe people with the hope of what Christ has done for them. 